Welcome to this episode of the Thinking Big Podcast. Today, we're going to shred some gnarly wisdom with Carolyn O'Neill about the Stoked Approach coaching methodology that she's created. And as a bonus, you're going to learn some bitchin' new terminology known only to those in the snowboarding, skiing, surfing, and other rad sport communities. Welcome to the Thinking Big Podcast with Sean Osborne, the show helping you think bigger into your life and potential. Sean believes by equipping you with the tools, strategies, and philosophies required to be successful in all aspects of your life, you can achieve anything you believe in. Empowering our own growth makes a deeply positive and lasting impact on our lives, community, and our world. Now, here's Sean. So welcome, Caroline, to the to the podcast, and tell us a little bit uh, about yourself. Well, first of all, thank you so much, Sean, for having me. Um, I'm super grateful in this crazy time. This is a great opportunity for uh, us to get to know each other and, and spread the love in so many different digital ways. Yes. And a podcast is a wonderful way to have that. So thank you. Um, well, the the short, quick and dirty version is uh, I've I'm a very avid snowboarder um, in my 20s. Uh, that was my main passion. I was a competitive snowboarder for a while. And I grew up in uh, in Colorado, so I grew up skiing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> then you know what's up. Oh, yeah. Breckenridge sure. and Vail, Copper Mountain. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I grew up um, born and raised in Montana. And then actually, <clears throat> after I graduated from high school, I went to Seattle and decided to I had two choices. I could either play soccer, like college ball, or um, do my snowboarding career. And I decided to do my snowboarding career because I wasn't able to do that in Montana. And this is back in the Sorrel boot, wherein uh, we used to video record each other in the backcountry with those big old VHS. Oh, I'm yeah. totally dating myself. <laughs> so um, like backcountry VHS on your shoulder. And um, it's just been like my biggest passion in life. And so, you know, when you're... 1920 you, you I don't think in my experience you don't have a lot of capacity for for noise and, and society pressures so that was just what I wanted to do and I, I went out and did it so um, when I was out in Seattle I I ended up starting a nonprofit um, and had that for 10 years because uh, a CEO of a large outdoor sports company had me on the head and told me I was ambitious and cute and that was my motivation to, to kind of give the proverbial I'm going to show you. And I created Mammoth Fest in um, 2000, and it was a big ski snowboard music festival that raised money for breast cancer research in Seattle, Washington. And I mean, we had some uh, pretty amazing bands. We had Macklemore back when he was like 20 uh, what? in the rain. What, what, what? Yeah. yeah what? Thrift store, <laughs> thrift store shopping and everything. Um, so, yeah, early on in my life, I was definitely driven by my passion and my bigger dream, right? And I ended up breaking a lot of bones and, um, We've got know, a lot I, in common. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I think I broke my back when I was 19 pretty bad. And, uh, that was, I was training to, um, you know, for a competition out there in, in the Northwest and I didn't let that kind of get me down. And I took a year off from college and, um, you know, I think my mom had told me, you know, maybe I should paint the murals on the side of buildings because uh, maybe college isn't for everyone. And so that was my motivation to finish college. So you can tell <laughs> on my, my early journey uh, when people told me I couldn't do anything, uh, that was my motivation to prove the whole world wrong. Oh, right? Yes. And um, so, yeah, I was out in Seattle for about 10 years and um, 
you know, I, I worked for my dream company. I worked in the snowboarding industry and I loved it. And until it kind of changed, the whole industry changed. And, um, you know, I, I kind of got dev devastated by the reality of my dream kind of company, my dream life, not matching up to my dream. Right. <laughs> so the reality didn't match. And right. uh, so I, I said, all right, I guess I'll go back to Montana and be an adult. And I was about 29. And I ended up getting a real job and uh, with quotes, air quotes for sure. And I was in advertising marketing for, you know, about 15 years, um, you know, through my early 20s and into my mid 30s. And I was so unhappy. I was making a ton of money and uh, had all the things and uh, didn't realize it at the time, but it was one of those external validators, like all the things on the outside of myself was right. defining the inside of myself. And right. My, my internal self-worth was absolutely equated by what I was driving and who I was dating and where I was living and how much money I was making. And, um, you know, to be fully transparent, that's, that's kind of what I knew. And, um, I didn't work on a lot of like internal stuff. And so I, I definitely swayed towards the negative coping mechanisms when I, I shattered my heel in 2011. And that was pretty devastating. It was actually worse than my back and I couldn't walk for about three or four years. And, oh. um, you know, and I'm an athletic person. So when my external body couldn't do all the things, like then I had to reassess like my self-worth wholly and entirely different matter matter. And, um, so, you know, I went into a, a dark place for a few years and then, uh, I finally just kind of got sick of myself and, um, you know, had a real hard conversation with myself on the right. floor of my room that I was renting from a friend because I'd lost my house because uh, I couldn't work because of my heel. And um, I was just like, what am I doing, man? <laughs> like, I did all these things, you know, maybe I peaked too early. I don't know. But I just knew this was not the life for me. Right. And I straight up just made a decision that that day. I decided that I wanted a different life. And I committed to that decision. And from there, I, I didn't really know what it looked like. It was just straight up. I just want something different. And so I, I moved to California and um, stopped drinking and <laughs> I kind of reassessed my life. And, um, you know, I worked for a startup here for a few years, which was wonderful. Uh, I was a VP of their, you know, business development and marketing and it was a great experience. And they ended up going under and I was right at that precipice, man, where a lot of people are at right now in this coronavirus right. uh, precipice yep. where like I had a choice, another decision. Right. And that was, you know, I can definitely be hired anywhere. It's California opportunities are <laughs> bountiful or I can really do what I've always wanted to do, which was start my own company and help other people. Obviously I have a philanthropic heart <laughs> in, in some ways with my nonprofit. And so that's when Dream Bigger Digital was kind of born. And yeah, so it, it's been um, about a year and a half, uh, close to 18 months that I've been doing this. And uh, I can say it's the most glorious thing I've ever done. It's also, I absolutely underestimated the whole entrepreneurial journey. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, when, one, when you look yeah. back, it's like, man, had I known back then how much... But again, if you love it, it's not really work, but how much work it really takes. It is a lot of, it's a lot of work to be an entrepreneur and, and, uh, a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff you have to give up to do it. But when it's your passion, it's really not that much, you know, not that much work. You know, you're, you're almost driven that you have to do it. Not that you want to do it. It's like you, you have to do this. 
Yes, that is so true. And um, I grew up on a 54% of the time I grew up on a ranch in Montana. So I know what hard work looks like. I know what it looks like to get up at 5am and dig ditches and build wire fences in 90 degree heat. Like that's hard work. And I always used to laugh in the corporate world when other people would kind of bitch and moan about working hard. I'm like, this isn't working hard. This is just like showing up. And and what I would say is the underestimated part was like the long hours I was fine with. It was it was me really having um, this kind of expectation because of my experience. It was me thinking that I knew uh, everything I needed to know because of my experience. But the in my experience <laughs> through the entrepreneurial journey, like the the mindset work was right. extraordinary. Right. And even and I even thought I had all of the um, the tools for that because I've, I've broken my back. I've gotten over it. I still snowboard. I've shattered my heel. I've broke like I've broken 16 bones and I've, I have that tenacity, that fortitude. But so I was taking that right. and also trying to put that in the entrepreneurial like box. Right. And it's, it's just different. And so that's why it's so important. Um, you know, everything shifted when I hired a mentor, you know, when I hired my own coach because it was like six months of me running myself into the wall and, me falling and tripping over myself before <laughs> I was like, I had to humble myself and be like, yeah. Hey, asking for help is, is a, is a treasure. It's a good thing. Yeah, and, and, pe- and people yeah. don't realize that, you know, people, you know, listeners that, that are listening, if you don't have a coach, a coach to help you see your true self, help bring out, you know, pull, pull out the mirror on you, yes. then, mm-hmm. then you're really missing out. And you know, I'm dating myself, but back when, you know, 25 years ago, coaches were, you know, they were looked down upon, you know, you were, you, you got a coach because something was wrong. You got a coach, you know, unless you were in sports, you know, that's a different thing. You know, sports coaches are different, but you know, you were, you were looked at, uh, as that was a bad thing. And now, you know, luckily we're getting kind of out of that and it's looked at, you know, more, uh, you know, less woo woo type stuff and less, you know, look down that, that you, uh, that you have a problem, but yeah, coaching is, is absolutely uh, essential in in developing your own personal, you know, growth and, and developing to to your potential. I mean, that's so. What type of coach did you uh, did you get? Well, let's see. Uh, I did a couple programs at first, but mostly um, business coaching because okay. yeah. for me, I knew I had. Here's the thing: like you can get a business coach, and then you'll work on mindset. <laughs> you'll get a mindset coach, and sometimes you'll work on business. Yeah. Um, I have digital marketing experience. I've been in the digital marketing field um, a little differently for more like uh, corporate structures, right? So I would sell a lot of the packages and then we'd go in the back end and magic would happen. (laughs) So um, I knew how it worked, but I needed somebody to kind of like help me take my, my zone of genius and develop it and recognize what that was. Then I could excel at that because I'm a huge fan of, recognizing your assets and kind of letting go of your deficits. Right. Right. For example, like I am not the best speller in the world. It's not my high priority. Grammar is not my forte. <laughs> and that's what spell checkers uh, for. Right. And you know, but it is a necessity. I can't be entirely lazy because people won't take me seriously. And you know, there's other people that that's a big deal. So however, it's um, it's something that I can outsource. I can right. hire somebody to do. Right. And even recognizing that is, was helpful for me when my coach had addressed that because then I can spend a lot of my energy where I am very successful, which is creating and developing and 
and pulling other zones of genius out of my clients and, right. and developing their story. Yeah. And that's, so. that's actually one of the things that I learned from one of my coaches years ago, you know, and he, he brought up a thing. It's you have to ask yourself who, not how. And that was probably one of the things that turned, I've always been of the mindset that if I'm capable of doing something, I'm going to do it myself. I'm not going to mm. pay someone else to go do graphics, or I'm not going to pay someone else to go do this or do that. If I'm capable of doing it, I'm going to, I'm going to do it myself. And that was one of the big things for me with, with my coaches when he said, you know, you have to ask yourself who, not how, you know, who can, who can you get to do this? Who can you offsource, you know, outsource this thing to, you know, and now obviously if you're, if I just go and sit my butt on the couch, then it's not <laughs> money well spent, but if I'm using, you know, my gifts and, and using that time, but yeah, that was, that was a big thing for me too, is finding out who and how I can, uh, offset offset things. Yeah. So I, I, I love that so much because I, uh, it resonates with me because I used to tote around this, uh, badge of honor of like doing everything by myself or yep. on my own. I should yep. say by myself. I think it's on my own is different than by myself. Yeah. And so, you know, starting a nonprofit that was super, uh, popular and did really well. And, you know, my athleticism and all these things that are like 20 years ago, right? I'm like pulling from a bag that's I need to dust off, which is, you know, another good point because, you know, the courage and worthiness that took me to start a business, to become a snowboarder, to get over my broken bones, it's going to take a different kind of worthiness and confidence as I grow. And right. that's also something that I was, uh, you know, that I underestimated. And so there's, there's new levels and new devils as you grow. Right. And that's why I love mindset so much because it's like worthiness and mindset is a business strategy that yeah. I think is underestimated. And if we don't invest in ourselves to develop that, um, and I'm, I'm definitely, I felt a victim, not victim. I succumbed to that uh, mentality because I, I was running into myself so hard <laughs> because right. I thought I had to do everything on my own. Right. Where you know, you hire a mentor, you, you, you ask for some help and like the road is paved for you a little bit easier. And all you need is like a guy to like direct you instead of you like squirreling out in the forest for days right. or weeks or months. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I'm telling you, it, it is, it, it is life changing when you go out and you start getting with mentors, uh, to kind of help you along the way you get with coaches to help, you know, kind of see who you are and, and what your potential is. And then things like masterminds where, you know, you get groups of people, like-minded people together and the ideas you come up with, or, you know, no single person is going to be able to come up with that idea by themselves. When you get the group of people together, you know, that creates, you know, as, as they said, and think grow rich and you know, that, that creates a, you know, more powerful mind that the group, that the group has. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, so, I'm so glad that you brought up Think and Grow Rich because uh, it it was one of the things when I, when I made the decision, I had uh, like a few weeks before I went to London. And so it just was like two weeks of just emerging and like I was absorbing all of these podcasts and books. And my dad had given me that book probably like 12 years ago. And he was, <laughs> he's got an MBA from Darden. He's now a cattle rancher. So, but um yeah, I, I dusted off that book because I saw it online and I was going to buy it and I ended up seeing it in my shelf, you know, one of those shelves that you don't look at for years. <laughs> that's, that's, so, called, that's called shelf help. Yes, shelf help. <laughs> and I love that 
it was uh, written so long ago. What was it? 39? Yeah. 1939? Yeah, in the 30s, yeah. Yeah. And uh, like all of the methodologies and kind of the mindset and the structures yeah. are so, like they're so relevant now. I mean, yep. fast forward to the new industrial revolution of you know technology, but right. it's the same structures are just like in sales, like, um, you know, Jeffrey Gitmore and, and a lot of these published uh i don't know gurus for lack of a better word right um the methodologies are the same but however you can read a book you can listen to all the the podcasts and watch all the videos and take all the courses but nothing is going to change without action and application yep. and implementation yep you can know all you want about snowboarding, read all the latest, you know, technology on, on boards oh. and, and how to do it. But until you get your ass on the slope, you're not going to get very good. Oh, <laughs> so for sure. It's, it's like, not when happen. I, I live in California now. I, I literally can see the, the ocean right now. And, uh, it was one of those expectations, those preloaded expectations, which is really just going to be a resentment and hiding. And, uh, I was like, ah, I've been snowboarding. I used to be, you know, competitive. I got this and I went surfing and it's a completely different, like mind, body, uh, cognition <laughs> experience. It's yeah. so different from snowboarding other than you're sliding sideways yeah. on snow or a wave. <laughs> that's about the only similarity I found. There's no sharks on the slope. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I hear that. I hear that. <laughs> so when you were in, uh, when you're in set, did you ever go, uh, windsurfing in the gorge? Oh my God, the Gorge George. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, yeah. So we, we called it the Gorge at George because then they had uh, the Gorge Amphitheater, and then okay. we would um, we would actually go to a show. Um, I think there was like Sasquatch festivals happening there. This is before all the the festivals were festivals as they are now. But yeah, um, I never went windsurfing, but I I did kiteboarding. So okay, kiteboarding yeah. kind of popped up in the early 2000s. Yeah, that wasn't uh, popular yet when I was. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But windsurfing is cool. It's it's hard. I, it's I grew up on a hard. lake in Montana and uh, I thought it was easy and it's it's not. It's it's challenging. <laughs> so uh, you were uh, did it on a lake in Montana, Flathead Lake? Close. Okay. Uh, just like one lake north, so okay. whitefish. I was born and raised in whitefish. Okay, I've I had family that was in uh, Polson. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 The whole valley is it like the whole valley, which maybe has I don't even know, maybe forty, fifty thousand people now. Yeah. Maybe. And yeah. when I grew up, whitefish in that area had maybe ten. All and I rem all I remember from that is we would go out there and we would get on their boathouse. And I was so mesmerized because you could see 30, 40 feet deep in the water. That's the first yeah. time I'd ever seen clear water. I'm like, you could see the fish. I mean, I was, <laughs> I was mesmerized. Yeah, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's gorgeous. But man. there's not there's, much wind. Well, you could, there's, there's a snowboard. I mean, you're pretty close to the Canadian Rockies, weren't you? Yeah. I, I was actually, I have some clients that are Canadian. I keep telling them okay. I'm almost Canadian because <laughs> almost. Uh, we're about like an hour, yeah, yeah, 40 minutes from yeah, the border. Yeah. yeah you're and pretty so, close. Alberta, Calgary folks would come down and yeah. then um, every winter, every summer. So you get an influx, like our population would double pretty yeah. much from the Canadians. <laughs> yeah. So, so tell me about your, your, uh, you know, the stuff that you're doing, the stoked approach stuff. What, how, how'd you come up with that name? What, what is that? That's. So, uh, yeah, it was one of those, so stoked approach. So stoked, 
S-T-O-K-E-D, um, has been in my vernacular for obvious reasons for a really long time, oh, yeah. <laughs> close to 20 years. And uh, when I was with uh, a coaching program, you know, they're helping us develop our packages and, and what we're going to offer. And, you know, of course, we had to name it, and um, as we should. And, uh, you know, I was trying to figure out, like, something that would be good hook, et cetera, et cetera. So I came up with like the stoked approach because, um, well, for one, it's it's kind of a, a methodology for life and it inspired by its snowboarding events. So when I was competing and um, when I would sit at a tabletop or anytime that I'd go over like a, uh, I used to be in slope style. So it was like rails and jumps and big jumps with like a 40 foot gap tabletop or 20 feet. And right. at the top of the jump, you would, you'd have to like visualize, like close your eyes and, and really understand like how much speed you're going to get, um, when you're going to tuck your shoulder, when you're going to pop off the lift. And so you'd visualize it uh, quite a lot and you'd see other people go off and when they lifted and popped and whatever. So it was all about visualization. And with that, uh, knowing where you're going to go and how you're going to get there. And then once you like pointed down, you had to commit because if you hesitated, uh, even the slightest bit when you are like going down full board, uh, you, you do mess up, you hesitate and you kind of get effed up, which I did hence breaking my back. And, um, and so I thought that that was a really great analogy for, you know, committing to yourselves in, right. in business and entrepreneurship. So, you know, wanting to start a business and not knowing why or how, or like, what's your bigger vision for it is it's going to be really frustrating because you're not going to get to where you're going if you don't know where you're going. Right, <laughs> so right. the Stokes approach is kind of inspired through that whole process of me when I was snowboarding is that like every time I had to do something super scary, I always had to visualize it yeah. and then I had to commit to it. And then once I committed to it, it's messy mass of action. So I didn't start off of a 60 foot tabletop you know, right. gap. I would fall and, you know, falling isn't failing. Falling is learning. It's feedback. It's yeah. feedback for what to do and what not to do. And, exactly. um, it's and that's in like, all aspects of life. That's not sports. That's not, totally. that is absolutely everything we do. It's all fail forward. It's the only yes. way to do it. You, you have to. Yes. And that's one thing, you know, you talked about visualizing and that's actually one of the things I use in some of my workshops. One, because I was a skier, but I think people always see it you have to visualize and pre-do what you do before you do it. You have mm -hmm. to win in your mind before you can win in what you're doing. And, it, and people actually see this when people watch the Olympics and they watch, for instance, snowboarders or they watch skiers before their run, you can actually see them. They'll, they'll film them up top getting ready and you can see them with their eyes closed and they're, they're going through every corner. They're going through every move. They're, they're visually, and you can see them actually visualizing their, you know, their run before they, before they even begin. And that is, uh, and, and you see it more than anything in, in skiing. I don't know why, but the, at least I do, you, you see them at the top, literally visualizing the entire course of, of what they're going to do. Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever done any backcountry, and, you know, Backcountry is super fun, but it's also super dangerous. Yeah. And when you're, you know, taking three, four hours or five hours a hike, and you're looking down at like every line, you're looking at the pitch, you're looking at the fall line. And when you get to the top, I mean, you already have an idea of where you're going. You don't just 
stand at the top and say go there's a whole methodology of like the lines you're going to carry because of avalanches and right um you know boulders and rocks and um, other obstacles so i, I really like the stoked approach because i can pull from that methodology and um one of the and i think it's really important for new entrepreneurs to uh really create that vision and it will change absolutely like right. but here's the thing it's you got to start starting you got to start somewhere and you know for me snowboarding is one of those my absolute happy places um yeah. if anybody listens to abraham hicks or joe dispenza and you got to recalculate and recalibrate your mind to that happy place where you like your physiological body responds right and that positive vibration like that's my go-to so and hence the stoked approach because i can pull from it i just i can nerd out on it and talk about snowboarding and the approach and why it's so relative and right. for days and days oh, um, yeah. however i will say that um in the beginning when you know you're kind of questioning your confidence you're you're questioning if you're doing things right or how you're going to be seen and um i remember being very insecure about the name because like are people going to take me seriously is it too juvenile? Is it, you know, a thousand stories I written in my head. Right. And so I, I went online and this is where kind of Abraham Hicks, the energy universe, whatever right. <laughs> your jam is. And I looked up the word stoked and I wanted to see the definition and, you know, the definition was amazing and applied, but then like one Facebook or excuse me, one uh, Google result after that was, Stanford University has a freshman course called the Psychology of Stoked. And I was reading the description. So first I was like, oh, Stanford's got an, like a course, then I'm good. <laughs> Stanford's got a course, I'm good. But it was all about like being happy and being in a state of elevation where you are really attracting um, a different mindset and a different right. way of being because you're so resolved in in what you're doing. And yeah. it's really like, you don't listen to the noise right. on the outside. So after that, I was like, done. Yep. I'm planting my flag. <laughs> yeah. And I, and you, know, you talked about the mindset and I think mindset is so important. You know, how we see ourselves, you know, who we are is who we attract. So if, if, if our mindset is poor, we're going to attract, you know, crap in, you know, crap out. I mean, it's, it's the same, same thing, you know? So I think the mindset is, absolutely uh the most important thing we have i mean it's you know people don't realize that the way we think dictates how we feel which dictates what we do which dictates dictates what we get and it it mm -hmm. all starts with the you know it all starts with the mindset and, and the thoughts uh, it, it really does i mean it's there's yeah, no, way around, it, no way around that the, yeah and it's um i read a lot of joe dispenza and um abraham hicks and uh like a bunch of other people that are just anybody if you're in coaching or business or right. not like you should listen to it because right. you know managing our mind is is the most important thing that we can do and you know in in this climate right now i've had a lot of calls this last week and everybody's like what are you doing how's it how's it going i'm like i'm doing amazingly because <laughs> you know i'm i my time outside of my time, which is my most valuable asset that I have to offer people um, is what I'm being influenced by. And so when it comes to the news, it's, it's more of like a scholastic exercise. So I check in, I see what's, what's up and then I check out because right. um, you know, it, 
it's it's one of those rabbit holes that can <laughs> stuck you in and like stuck the life out of you. And I think in uh, Think and Grow Rich and a lot of other people, um, you know, you are the average of the six people you hang out with. Really are. Yeah. And back to the deciding, committing and messy, massive action. I, I get to make those decisions too of, of how my time is going to be spent with whom uh, kind of fills my cup of joy versus depletes my energy. Right. And, you know, I don't think a lot of folks, at least I didn't in the beginning, understand that that is also a mindset. That that's it's a habit. It's it's these things that we get to create in our own lives. Right. That gets to be a choice, especially as an entrepreneur. Like we get to drive this bus wherever the hell we want to take it. Even off a cliff. Even off a cliff, <laughs> absolutely. And some <laughs> but of then you got to own that shit <laughs> if you do, yeah, right? You do. <laughs> yeah, if you're going down. Yes. Yeah. So, how do you think you know with all the stuff that's going on? How do you think technology is going to play a part in in the stuff that you do? Oh well, I'm going to get super nerdy on you, Sean. Hey. Um, and thanks for asking that question. Uh, I think that this time in humanity is just like a, an entire shift in recalibration it for is. our <clears throat> our worthiness, our value, how we talk to one another, what our communication styles are. And, you know, for me, this last three weeks has been, has been business as usual. If not, I've been way more busy because of it. Right. But, um, you know, but for these people that have, don't know what Zoom is and they're just getting introduced to Zoom and now yeah. they can have this extra tool in their tool belt. Um, you know, where texting used to be the, or is the norm. It's like, now we have this opportunity to, to just technology is going to be the springboard of, uh, and like a revolution of change yeah. in my opinion. And it, there's going to be, it's going to be a, com yeah, it's going to be a complete change in what we do and how we do it. it yeah. Not only, not only are individuals, but companies are going to be forced to start using, uh, you know, being creative on, on how we can, how we can work. And it's, I, I especially the longer this goes on, the more impact it's going to have on how we operate moving forward. Absolutely. Yes. And I, I, this is the coolest part from, from my perspective is that, <clears throat> you know, we all as human beings being human bouncing around on this planet, running into each other, just trying to live our lives. Um, we all have the opportunity to make a change. And so the whole, the whole globe like, think about this. The whole globe has had to shift how yeah. they're functioning. Yeah. And, you know, like, oh, we can't do this because of global warming and we can't do this because of, like, jobs. And we can't do, like, all of these we can'ts, they're all happening right now. And the whole world has shifted the way that we are perceiving how we are doing things. So why wouldn't an individual think? Not only in this climate, like, if you got laid off or if you lost a job, um, like, why wouldn't this be an opportunity? Like, I think yeah. the universe or whatever you believe in that's outside of yourself, um, this is really like a an opportunity. It's such a gorgeous opportunity to like yeah. take advantage of yeah. what's out there. And Absolutely. At, yeah. I mean, now is the time to sit back. I, I don't want to sound, you know, but now's the time to sit back, meditate, and really find what your passion is and how can you where's the creativity in you that can come out of this better you know what what things can you do 
you know, coming out of this again, our, our, to me, our whole world, you know, has the possibility of, of changing. And it's like, you know, so I'm in, I live in Houston and as an example, uh, I think two or three years ago, we had hurricane Harvey, which came in Mm -hmm. and devastated Houston. I mean, the the whole, you know, we're the fourth, fourth largest city in the, in the country and it completely devastated us. People had to get creative on what to do. Jobs were lost. Uh, things changed. You know, I have friends that were executive chefs that are now that now they do home remodeling. You know, they got creative and, and stepped outside of what they were, you know, accustomed to do and, and learned new skills, got creative, learned how to do things differently, learned, you know, learned what their passions were. So I think, yeah, it's, it's going to change some things. Well, yeah, it's, <clears throat> it's gently forcing the conversation into what our worth is into the world. Cause a lot of us, myself included in the past, identify our worthiness of what we do. Right. So when we lose our jobs or we don't have the opportunity to be in the same capacity at work and you know, <laughs> it time will only give you an opportunity to reflect. And um, because this is a pandemic, it's, it's a little gnarly. Right. And, you know, I think like, I love going out in my front, like front of my house and I see kids on the street yeah. and I'm in California. Like I grew up like that. Yeah. And, this is the first time I've seen it down here in California in like three years. We're yeah. like neighborhood kids from like two houses down. They're all playing like cornhole and, and street hockey. And yeah. I'm like, this is amazing. Look at this amount yeah. of community and connection. Right. Yeah. And connection really is currency. And I think that's, that is going to be one of the biggest shifts yeah, um, on the other side of this. And and I think it's going to change everything. You know, I don't know, uh, are you into like cycling or anything outside of, uh, you know, doing the, the snowboards <laughs> up, but like I use yeah. things like uh, Zwift and various technologies that connect me. You know, I did a ride yesterday with a guy from, uh, got one of the guys was from Italy. One of them was from Spain and we're all chatting online riding. And, uh, you know, I think technology is going to really change the way we, the way we, the way we do things. And, and we're, we're right on that verge. I'm telling you, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna be altered. Yes. Yes. I think old structures uh, and paradigms will be questioned because there's a lot of like, it's, it's easier for a society to tell us that we can't do things right. Right. It's, it's, it's a lot harder to have your community or, um, even your own mindset, know that you can rise up and, and dream bigger and actually do the damn deal. You right. don't have to sit in, in fear because look at the globe. That's a great piece of evidence. Um, every community across the entire planet has had to shift and look like the air is cleaner, the water is cleaner. You know, we're yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's kind of mind blowing. So yeah. I am, I'm really excited for the other side of this. Yeah. yeah I think, I think we will come out again, shit's happening, but I, I think we will come out as a society, you know, we'll come out stronger. We'll come out better than the moment we went in. It is, it's just a reset of, of values. I mean, it's gonna, it's gonna change that stuff. So, so how do people find you? Uh, how, how, how do they get in, get in touch with you and find out what you're doing? Well, I'm glad you asked that, Sean. Uh, you can reach me, of course, at dreambiggerdigital.com. And you can also look me under the hashtag or handle <clears throat> stoked coach. That's S T O K E D C O A C H. It's about that, right? Yes. <laughs> stoked coach <clears throat> on Instagram and also on uh, Facebook. Um, you, you did say spelling of... wasn't your, your best, uh, your best thing. 
It's not like all the creative people throughout history. I've read all the books. They say that they can't spell either. So I'm going to go with that. <laughs> and in addition to that, uh, I'll have all of this stuff in the show notes for everyone. So if you're listening to this right now, you know, the show notes will have all the links to, uh, to Carolyn's stuff. So you don't have to worry about, uh, writing it down. If you don't, if you don't want to just go to the show notes and we'll, uh, we'll link up, uh, yeah, and, to, to all and that. I'm not sure when this is going to go, uh, live or, or not, but coming up, I'm going and doing group coaching for, uh, emerging female entrepreneurs, anybody who's been kind of running into themselves or, feel stuck or wanting to work on their niche. Uh, the stoked approach is doing open enrollment, uh, the middle of April, 2020, and we'll continue to do so. And, um, so I welcome anybody if they want to get kind of a, a business clarification call, like 30 minutes, I'm always happy to hop on the phone and even, you know, asking for people to contact me if they just need like a, a little mini mindset shift, uh, strategy right. call too. Right. Especially in a time like now, I, I never thought I was a connector. I never thought that I was a, but I'm telling you once, once it gets taken away, it's like, I'm finding, trying to find all these ways to try to connect to people. You know, like, I was yeah. always the one that I, I always thought I was such an introvert until, until something like this happens. And I was like, shit, oh, I, <laughs> how, how I do I connect? That. Well, I see, it's funny because like, um, it's one of those things where we think we know, but then <clears throat> opportunities will arise. And if we're awake and have the awareness, which you do, right. you, you lean into that kind of new way. And then sometimes we, we surprise the shit out of ourselves and we're like, yes, Oh my we God, do. this is, this is amazing. <laughs> and I would have never thought of that if I wasn't open to that experience. Yeah, so yeah, I, I, I want to thank you for your time and the opportunity to connect with you more and your, your audience as well. And Absolutely. Of course, I like your your podcast name, Thinking Big. <laughs> <laughs> That's Dream right. Bigger, Thinking Big. Like I, I get it. <laughs> oh yeah, yep. Think big. You got to think big to be big. You know, it's uh, you. You are what you think. So. Yes. Might as well, you might as well think big. I mean, <laughs> yes. If there's even a, a five percent chance that that's true, why not think big? <laughs> Dude, you have to because, like, here's here's my uh, this is what I tell a lot of my clients and myself included. If you're not thinking big, if you're not dreaming big, you're going to be satisfied with what you see. Yep. And as human beings, being human, we are going to be just kind of in this like comfy zone. So, yep. you know, I always tell my clients to like scare the shit out of yourself. If you're uncomfortable and scared, you're doing something right. Yep. That's you're growing. Yep. And you're learning. Yeah, absolutely. You have to, <laughs> you know, I, I try to get uncomfortable at least once a day you know, something oh, to, sure. to get uncomfortable. It's like, I, I, I actually hate that comfort feeling now before <laughs> I, I loved being in the comfort zone. It was, you know, nice and comfy and warm and safe. And uh, mm -hmm. now I absolutely hate it. It's like, Oh, I don't want to be there. <laughs> I don't want to yeah. be there. I know you hit a certain point, man. It's like, you can't go back. It's yeah. a, I think the last statistic that I heard about like coaching, cause you know, it's, Coaching industry is kind of the wild west, right? Oh, <laughs> and yeah. Anybody can be it. And, anybody and everybody's a coach. Yeah. Yeah. And um, at the same time, it's kind of like, I think the attrition rate is like extraordinary um, to almost 80% of the coaches who try out their first year uh, don't succeed. Right. Um, you know, and I'm sure that there's like a stats of why and, but it really just like businesses, um, anybody who's trying to start a business, the attrition rate is going to be high in the first like three to five years. Yeah. However, if you invest in yourself, um, you know, give yourself a little bit of willingness, open-mindedness, um, there's a lot of opportunity. And once you find your stride, like 
you have Sean and like I have, and most of the successful people out there, they're doing it because they, there's a bigger vision and it's not about the fame and the glory. It's really about being of service. And so this is a funny story Um, because I'm in strategy and, and I've been in business long enough to like know how to reverse engineer a plan and et cetera. So my office looked like those giant post-it notes like threw up. So I had this huge wall. It was probably like 12 feet um, long. And I had these post-it notes and I had, I had strategized um, my five year, three year, one year to each quarter plan, like what I was going to make, what I had to do. Uh, I mean, it was, it was super anal retentive and down to like almost the penny. Um, and I was, as right after I read thinking grow rich. And so I was like, I'm putting this all out in the universe. And I'm anyway, so I had this thing and I was looking at it for like a month and I'm super stoked and I know what I was going to make. <clears throat> And then six months went by and then I wasn't even close to like hitting a target and then like eight months went by and right. I wasn't even close to hitting a target. <laughs> I'm second guessing every ounce of my being and like I think I, you know, way over my head on this. And what I realized is that the intention of me starting my business um, is not the same of why I've sustained business now. Right. So I was all head and no heart. Like it was all about making money. It was all about kind of being seen all the things that I was used to doing in the past. And, you know, and I had to come to (laughs) come to Jesus moment, so to speak uh, with myself. And it was like another turning point and I'm so glad it happened, but I had to kind of go through all this like self-inflicted pain to realize that like there was no heart in what I was doing. Like, of course I could help clients and I was helping clients, but there wasn't like, that bigger vision gap was um, was severed, and <clears throat> that's why when I worked with my like that was a huge turning point. Like after that happened, and everything shifted, and I was like, you know, what? I don't care how much money I make. I just want to help people. Back when I was a nineteen year old idiot <laughs> doing this, it was successful, and and I was just out there helping people and wanted to get, create a community. And yeah. it's crazy because like once your intentions are pure and you really know what yeah. you want and why, right. And that's, Every, yeah. yeah. And that's, you know, one of the things that I, that I learned as well is, you know, people don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. Yes. And it's, <laughs> I love that, yeah. you could, you could know everything, but they, people really don't care until they know that you actually care about their problem, uh, care about them, care about, you know, what they're going through. You know, that to me, that's one of the critical things, especially for small businesses. You know, this isn't for Apple and, you know, all these, you know, huge, huge companies, but if you're a small mm-hmm. business, people are only going to go to you because they know that you care about them and care about their, you know, their problems and care, you know, and, and, and can offer a solution for that. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So how, when, when you broke your back or your ankle, how, how did that affect you mentally? I know I broke, Oh, I want to say maybe 10, 15 years ago, I broke my femur in half in a, in oh, a cycling yeah. accident. And I know some people would say, how could you ever get back on a bike? How could you ever do this again? How could you, you know, get back on and do these things? And to me, it was like, if you don't, you you can either accept things and say, okay, embrace it and say, this is where I'm at. This is what's happening now. Now let's get shit done and and go, go move forward. I mean, it's a mental, you know, a mental thing when, when setbacks like that happen and it's, Mm -hmm. uh, you can either take them as a, you know, a springboard 
or you can either lay back and, and give up, you know, it's certainly it's, uh, I think it's, so when I, it's shifted my kind of methodology or my mindset back then it was, it was just wasn't an option not to snowboard. So <clears throat> after that happened, I was bedridden for about two to three months with a back brace and had to help like shower and go to the bathroom. And uh, I knew if I didn't get on the snow and take one run um, before the end of the season, because that happened in October or no, it happened in December. So I had like the very tail end, I think the end of March <clears throat> for the hill close. I knew um, that if I didn't get kind of uh, back on the horse, so to speak, uh, it was that was going to be a fear that would carry through the next season and I would be in fear. And so Right. Uh, I've always, <clears throat> excuse me, I've always been the person that kind of burns the boats and goes all in. And my mama always used to say, I push the envelope. So at, you know, when I was 19 through 25, cause I broke bones consecutively every year until I was about 25, <clears throat> it just wasn't an option. Like I, I didn't, there was no other option. So that was the only thing that was in my mind. Um, right. and it was different when I shattered my heel cause it was a little older, I had the society things like, you know, a mortgage and <laughs> I needed to, but here's the thing. Like it, my mindset, uh, it, I didn't know what I wanted to do because I was so unhappy in my, my job and my life. Right. I used the, the shattering of the heel and not being able to walk, um, kind of an, as an excuse to check out. And that's exactly what I did. And so, um, because I was in a lot of pain, I definitely overdrank and, um, you know, I, I don't know why, because through all the years <clears throat> and all the pain pills, I, that was not my jam. Right. I just like drinking. It was my favorite thing to do. And uh, so I used that to kind of buffer my, my emotions, my pain. Um, and, you know, it worked for a while and, until it didn't. And, you know, my best thinking got me to where I was. And I was a victim of my own reality. And the biggest shift was when you start taking responsibility for the life that you're leading and the life that you want, that's when you're able to make a change. And right. there's a lot of victims out there, but like, I want, I do not want life to happen to me. I want life to happen with me and intentionally right. and on purpose. Yeah. You have to live intentionally or else it's just gonna, just, just gonna happen to you. You know, it's just the way it is. Yeah. And I mean, full transparency too. It's, it, it offered me an opportunity to think outside of myself because <clears throat> when, I don't know, when you've done a lot of things early on in, in your life, like I did, <clears throat> I take responsibility for everything. So all of the good, right. All of the good, it was, it was my doing all of the bad. It was my doing. So taking that kind of responsibility, um, it was also kind of a, a double-edged sword because uh, I did not have any sort of connection to anything spiritually outside of myself. I right. was the master of the universe and right. that is a lot of responsibility, right? <laughs> and a, a lot of uh, disappointments because if I think I'm the master of the universe, my entire world is so tiny, right? <laughs> it's so yeah. incredibly small. Yeah. yeah. And until I was kind of introduced in a new way of thinking and <clears throat> hired, not hired, but I, <clears throat> got in touch with the spiritual advisor that kind of opened my eyes up and I was raised Irish Catholic, but that didn't resonate with me. Um, probably due to my sexuality. And so 
that was something that really kind of saved my life and right. gave me a, like such a huge perspective, like as the universe, because there's so many times where I should have died, like in the back country or just doing stupid shit that I was doing. And, <laughs> and, and I always and, do stupid shit. Yeah. Like my car didn't get pulled and there's like some crazy serendipitous things that have happened. Of course I have to recognize that there's something greater than myself. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I, I really think that the, the trifecta of mind, body, spirit isn't important because they're like, if I don't work out or keep my body in shape or eat healthy, like it affects my mind Yeah. and it will affect my thinking because then I'm more consumed on how I look and how I feel versus right. what I'm doing. And you know, it's, right. that's why it's, People- yeah, people are, are they're very short sighted if if we think that not being well balanced and if I'm not uh if I'm not as healthy as I as I can be or should be, if I don't think that act that affects my, you know, my uh my relationships or it affects my uh you know my my careers, that's very mm. short sighted. They all yeah. you, you have to have a good balance because they do <laughs> affect each other, uh, without a doubt. Oh my gosh, yeah, for sure. And I think when I was younger, it was just all about like, I've achieved everything I've ever wanted, um, you know, so to speak. And, but then like in my thirties, when I was making uh, decent money and bought my first house at 29 and I was living the society kind of conducive life that, you know, I, I, I fell, <clears throat> I guess I should say I succumbed to what my parents wanted me to do and what society wanted me to do. And that was never right. really in my personality to begin with. <laughs> so right. it was going against my own grain and it, it showed up in a lot of uh, different yeah. ways, like yeah. the negativity of it. And, you know, so I'm super grateful and blessed because I feel like I've come full circle like in my life. And I'm, I just turned 40 this year and, you know, 20 years ago, I started a nonprofit because I was passionate and I was snowboarding. Like somewhere in the middle, I decided to, you know, succumb to what society wanted me to be. And that didn't work out so well. So then I went back to like dreaming big and doing what I want. And so I, right. I think I, I don't think, I know that with that perspective, there's a lot of um, value that I can bring to the clients that I, I do have conversations with. And it's really great that I, I had to go through all the struggles that I did in the first, like, <clears throat> probably eight, nine months of my business. So then when people hire me, I can negate those paths of frustration. And I think for the longest time I was really, I thought I was the smartest person in the room and the fanciest. And that's why the universe is so glorious because it will scoop (laughs) you full of humble pie when you're like, when you need it. And that it will. Yeah. And so I'm great. I'm grateful for it because I didn't, didn't like the person I was becoming and I, I need to make a, sh- a change. And um, sometimes the universe does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And yeah. uh, I've, I've taken it with a whole heart and it just made me a better coach, a better person. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes it takes the universe uh, to use a two by four. I mean, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. it gets my attention. <laughs> yeah, so, for sure. As I say, sometimes it's a feather. Sometimes it's a two by four. <laughs> Normally for me, it's two by four. Yes. But yeah, it's, you know, so you, helping other entrepreneurs, you know, especially those first, you know, as you said, those first nine months, the first 12 months, why not go to someone that's done it, learn from them. I'm of the mindset now that if I can learn from someone else's mistakes, oh, that's so much easier than learning from my own. So yeah, Mm. uh, people that are, they're starting their own and 
that's going to be big. I mean, I think a lot of people are going to be starting their own companies now, starting their own thing. You really need to get with people like you to help navigate, especially the first, you know, the first 12 months at a minimum of opening a company and, and don't, don't do the same mistakes you did. I mean, it took you years probably to, to learn some of these mistakes, you know, get with you and learn these up front and, and, and learn from, from your mistakes rather than from their own. Yeah, I think. And that's, uh, to me, that's with anything in life. It's, it's, you know, we have so many, we have so many resources available to us now with the, with technology. Yeah. It's just like, uh, what Tony Robbins says taking, uh, his experience takes decades into days. Right. Yeah. And, um, with the stoked approach, it's like, uh, I give a ridiculous amount of value. Um, it goes from, it's basically activate mindset and accelerate growth. And in the six months <clears throat> with me, it goes from, you know, mindset work to really calibrate habits, figure out where you're at, like clear old inventory of ways of thinking, at least right. recognizing them. And then it goes into you know, creating a brand and how to use and implement the tools that are available for free when you're just starting out. Because here's the thing that I know for sure, the first year, everything's going to evolve after application. So you right. don't want to like spend a ton of money on a website when you don't know your niche, right. and you don't know your messaging. So it's the arc that we go through in the six months. Um, and then by the end of the six months, uh, we set them up with a WordPress website hosted by my company. Um, I have a partner that used to be the IT director for the Associated Press. So he's like the guru. <laughs> That's his yeah. own of genius. And, um, but it's about developing the message. And right. you get there quicker by implementing. And I'm a big fan of doing. So it's, it's in a group of other women that are in the same like yeah, mastermind, developing and lifting one another up and right. being empowered by doing but we're, we're, we're giving you a path instead of being like whack-a-mole with courses and, you know, strategies and this and that. Because <laughs> yeah. the one thing that we don't have um, that we can never get back is time. Right. So you, you can spend the two weeks on a course that you can actually do in like a session or two with like <clears throat> critical real conversations and like, like uh, weed out a lot of that, that shit that we hold on to. So then we yep. can like propel on the other side. Yeah, because if we want to if we want to go fast, we have to get with people like you that have that have been through it. So it's and I think you can actually do this at any level. It doesn't. You know, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I would assume that you have customers that aren't just starting out. I mean, it's you need these types of resources really, no matter what level you are in your company. I mean, it's not just for brand new entrepreneurs. I would think. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. Um, I've three clients in particular that have had their businesses for about three years, but they've yeah. stagnated. Um, right. They kind of hit like this lull where they, they've been getting the same results, which has not been satisfactory in their view. Um, so in order to get to that next level, you really got to clear out <clears throat> a lot of the, the, the inventory in our mind and the way of doing things. And then usually when we stagnate too, <clears throat> excuse me, we don't have, an idea of where we want to go. So right. we're staying the same. Right. And with the the coaching programs, it's it's all about like a collective vision of where you want to go. And of course it's going to change, but when we stagnate, it's because we are either settled into what's comfortable and, or we 
don't, we're not going anywhere because we don't know where we're going. <laughs> we right. haven't even established that. So, so what, what is one thing <laughs> that our listeners can do today? What's one thing that they can do that will, uh, help them grow? You know, what's, what's one, one idea? What's, you know, that to me, if, if, if someone can get one idea from a, you know, from a podcast, that's, that's a win. So I'm a huge fan of what I call subtle wins. And what a subtle win is making these decisions, right. That we, uh, have in our, in our lives every day, committing to those decisions and honoring our own commitments to ourselves first, right. and then taking massive messy action. And I'll give you an example. If you've been wanting to get up at seven o'clock so you can make your tea earlier, so then you can walk your dog or take care of your kids and you haven't been able to, but you make a decision that you're going to do this just for the next three days and you do that for three days in a row, that's a win. That's a subtle win that you're honoring a commitment to yourself. Right. And then taking massive messy action. You might hit like snooze that. a couple of times. I yeah, like right? that. Massive, messy action. Yeah. It's going to be it, messy. Yes. I call it MMA, <laughs> massive, messy <laughs> action, because we, we are only going to grow, learn, uh, and expand when we know how we learn, grow, and expand. And the only way right. to do that is through action. Yep. So. Just to do it. Yep. <clears throat> Again, I've, it's so grateful that, that you're, uh, that you're on, the, on the podcast today. I know people are going to get so much value from, from the stuff that you have and, and from this and, and from going to your site. So, again, thank you very much for taking the time. It's, uh, it's been amazing. Yes, I would love that so much. And thank you, Sean, for everything that you do and, and reaching out to me. And um, I want your listeners to know that this has been a gorgeous experience. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing where we're going to be in the next six months. I get so much out of doing this, uh, you know, and some, one of the greatest things I, I get from doing a podcast is literally being able to reach out and talk and, and get to know and connect with people, uh, amazing people from around the globe. It's, it's absolutely amazing. It's, uh, so fulfilling for me to be able to uh, connect with people. So 